Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. I want to talk to you for a few minutes this morning about how to have a good bad day. How to have a good bad day. Acts chapter 27, the, the, uh, the writer of Acts is the physician, Luke, who also wrote the Gospel of Luke. He is one of Paul's right-hand companions. And Luke um, is in many of these travels with Paul, but he goes into great detail in this story that takes place. Uh, Paul is a prisoner uh, for preaching the gospel of Christ, and so that's why he's in chains, not because he committed a crime, but because he preached the gospel. And so um, he's been in persecution after persecution from city to city. The man uh, is beaten uh, with this message that he preaches. He gets, pers- he gets lied about all the time. They're always trying to form a quick little court and, and try to you know, make sure that the, the judge says guilty and then they can say that he really did commit a crime. But all of these accusations are false because they hate the message that he's preaching. He used to hate that message too <laughs> until his conversion. And so he is facing trouble in every city, but now he finally has enough and he takes advantage of his Roman citizenship. Paul, this, this Jewish man, was born in Rome. And so he pulls out the ace, the trump card, and this is what he says. I'm done with all of these little courts. I appeal to Caesar. He has a right as a Roman citizen to go to Caesar, to have audience with him. And so that ended, the discuss- that ended everything. They said, okay, then we gotta get him to Caesar. Now, verse one of chapter 27. Stay with me. We're going we're gonna to keep your eyes on the scriptures and we're going to walk through this story. Are you ready? Yes. All right. And when it was decided that we should sail to Italy, they delivered Paul and some other prisoners to one named Julius, a centurion of the Augustan uh, regiment. So entering a ship of uh, Adramidium, we put to sea, meaning to sail along the coast of Asia. Aristarchus, a Macedonian, is another one of Paul's companions, of Thessalonica w- was with us. And the next day we landed at Sidon. And Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him liberty to go to his friends and receive care. It's probably uh, the kind of care, um, like some of it was probably medical care for Luke because of all of the things that Paul had endured physically. I mean, at one point he was stoned with stones and left for dead outside of uh, Lystra, I believe. I mean, no telling what this man looked like. I mean, he said, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. So, when he, and we, verse four, when we had put to sea from there, we sailed under the shelter of Cyprus because the winds were contrary. And when we had sailed over the sea, which is off Cilicia and Pamphylia, bear with me through all these words, okay? We came to Myra, a city of Lycia. So they're, they're basically what they're, they're sailing along a coastline under protection of, of a high mountain range. They're trying to stay out of the wind, all right? But they keep having these little issues here and there. There the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing to Italy, and he put us on board. And probably the reason they got the Alexandrian ship is uh, because it's much larger, all right? They, they, can, they can handle the, the, the storms a lot better, more steady. So when we had sailed slowly many days and arrived with difficulty off Snidus, the wind not permitting us to proceed, we sailed under the shelter of Crete off Salmon. Again, so we had to get next to 
the bank and kind of just crawl along because the wind is not on our side, all right? So you can see a little bit that there's a little bit of struggle, there's a little bit of trouble brewing on this trip, okay? Verse eight, passing it with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens near the city of Lazia. Now, when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. So Paul's beginning to pick up on something by the Spirit, like, I mean, there's, there's something going on. And, and you can tell, obviously, that the, the enemy hates Paul. The devil hates him. That's, that thorn in the flesh, that messenger of Satan was come to buffet him. I mean, he hated him and he hated that message because uh, the enemy's scared of us, the church. He's scared of this gospel. He knows that it is his ultimate defeat. And so he's fighting, obviously. Things are going on in the spirit, that you, but are now beginning to be seen reflected in the natural. And so Paul says, guys, this is not going to go well. I'm telling you, I mean, he must have felt just that peace leave him from the spirit to say, don't, don't keep this up. All right. But watch, nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman. Well, we can't really blame him. I mean, just naturally thinking the helmsman is the guy who steers the ship, right? I mean, he, he knows he's been out on the water many times and he's looking at this prisoner, Paul, and, and he's looking at the expert. So naturally, who would you go with? Naturally, you'd go with the expert, right? Oh, he says it's gonna be fine. But we don't know everything just because we may be an expert in something, right? Maybe an expert in steering a ship, but he's not an expert in weather patterns, right? That's out of our, that's out of our jurisdiction. Watch, verse 12, and because... The harbor was not suitable to winter, and the majority advised to set sail from there also, if by any means they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, opening toward the southwest and northwest and winter there. Now, right here, Paul is about to go uh, into a number of bad days in a row, all right? He already doesn't feel right about this. He doesn't feel easy about this, um, and but he, ha he doesn't have a choice. He's a prisoner on this ship. He's got to go where it's going. Ever had a bad day before? And then the next day was also bad? Yeah. Right? And the next day, and you think, well, what else could go wrong? And then you find out the next day what else can go wrong, right? I mean, it's just like, seriously? So they're placed on this ship, and he's on, they're on their way. But verse 13, let's, let's keep reading. When the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their desire. So now it looks like the winds have calmed down a little bit. They're like, see, Paul, everything's gonna be fine. Putting out to sea, they sailed close to Crete. But not long after, a tempestuous headwind arose called Eurocladon. I mean, that's just evil sounding of itself, right? It almost sounds like Darth Vader, Eurocladon. It, and, and it means a violent agitation. So it, it even sounds like that, doesn't it? It's nothing you want to get involved with is all I'm saying. So when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive. Who's her? The wind. Guess what? The helmsman ain't got no control now. He has to let the wind take over. 
And running under the shelter of an island called Clotta, we secured the skiff with difficulty. <laughs> you see the word difficulty, you see struggle, you see all these things are contrary. And when they had taken it on board, they used cables to undergird the ship and fearing lest they should run aground on the surface sand. So apparently they were coming across some shallow water uh, and they were afraid that they might get stuck there. They struck sail and so were driven. So they just let the sail up and said, wind, take us where thou dost take us. <laughs> and because we were exceedingly tempest tossed, in other words, we're just being tossed all over the sea. The next day, they lightened the ship. On the third day, we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. Now, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, whoo, cloudy day every day. And every night, and no small tempest beat on us. All hope that we would be saved was finally given up. The circumstances were not changing. Things were not getting better. They were progressively getting worse. And Luke said, finally, we, we all threw up our hands and said, we're finished. There's nothing in, in this realm of our circumstances, nothing in our experience the last few days that offers any hope. Verse 21, but after long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, gotta love Paul. I told you so, right? He said, men, you should have listened to me and not sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. And then look what he says. I love Paul because he always, he's the apostle of grace to us, the apostle that brings the gospel of grace. He says, now I urge you to take heart for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. I think he's prepping them for what he's about to say, that you should have listened to me before. So now I'm telling you, listen to me now. I was right before and I'm telling you I'm right again. So he's telling them, take heart. Uh, there's no reason for hope, but he's telling them to take heart. All right. This is, what, this is why we need faith in God. This is why we have faith in God. So that we're not just relying on our sensors, right? On our sensories, on our senses, on our circumstances to all be right. For there stood by me this night an angel of, God, of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve. Whoa, saying, do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Listen to me, your trouble that you may be in right now, and there may be other people involved with it, but it might be a good thing that you're in that trouble with them because you might be the, one, the reason why they're gonna come out of it. Listen, the, the, the fact that the apostle's on here, he gets this message from, from the angel, uh, you're going to Rome. You're going to, you must appear before Caesar. That means everybody else, thank God that's with you, they're all gonna be okay too. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God. Can we say those three words? I believe God. What, what about this makes you believe God, Paul? Hmm? There's no reason that we can see for you to believe God. I believe God that it will be just as it was told me because I have a word from him. And that word, that word will long outlast these circumstances. I mean, we know Paul was a man of prayer. They had to have been praying during this time, right? I mean, Paul said, pray without ceasing. Uh, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything is what he taught us in Philippians, right? With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. We know he's a man of prayer. He even said, I, I think my God, I pray in tongues more than y'all. Don't you know this guy was praying in the Holy Ghost? And nothing's changing, nothing's changing, nothing's changing. 
And and also believe though, even though there may be much praying, but there was also much fear too. Because the angel greets him with this, do not be afraid, Paul. Do not be afraid. So when he heard the word of the Lord, listen to me, Paul has a choice to make right here. I'm either going to be persuaded by what I'm seeing or I'm going to be persuaded by what he's promised me. You're going to make that choice. You're going to make that choice. And let me say this to you. That choice is always available in any circumstance, any trouble. The ship is rocking now. I mean, the wind is howling. These guys haven't eaten for days. The sun's nowhere to be found. I mean, you know what it's like, just, just the way it makes you feel when it's cloudy for about three days in a row. Yeah. You start to kind of feel funky. <laughs> like, man, come on, son. Paul must be brought. Just because this storm has blown in does not mean that the promise is canceled. Hmm? The angel of God told him he would stand before Caesar. See, you don't have to fear. That's what he's saying to Paul. You don't have to fear because, now notice the angel didn't say, Paul, the storm's not as bad as it seems. No, it's a bad storm. The angel's not gonna deny that. This too shall pass. No, what he said was, you will stand before Caesar. So he helped Paul have a vision, right? This is what your future looks like. So laser focus your faith on that. All right, forget about what's happening here as much as possible and focus on this promise, you will stand before Caesar, all right? My God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. By his stripes, you are healed. Hmm? Be puking your guts up, right? But remember, by his stripes, I'm healed. That's what we're focused on. That's what we're looking at. Amen. The Lord is always seated on his throne. Nothing that happens in this world rattles him from his position. Matter of fact, Jesus said, this kingdom that you're a part of as the children of God is a kingdom that can never be shaken. Woo, the earth shakes, but not this kingdom. And let me remind you, it's just because you can't see that way out doesn't mean there's not a way out. There's always a way. Jesus said, I am the way, right? As long as Jesus is in your life, and he's going to be in your life forever. There's always a way. Forever. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because he can see what you can't see. And so you're going to have to believe him so that you can see what he sees. And let's just remember this simple truth. God is on your side. And so far from what I have found about God, he don't lose. Never. Then Paul said, take heart, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. The promise of God, remember this, is greater than your troubles. Always. Can you say this with me? I just want to lead you to confession. I believe God that it will be just as he told me. All right? Amen. Because he will not lie. As a matter of fact, the Bible says he cannot lie. It's impossible for God to lie. Isn't that good to know that the God who is on your side... It's impossible for him to lie. He can only tell the truth because he is the truth. However, verse 26, I've got to get through this. We must run aground on a certain night. He said, take heart, guys. Everything's going to be okay, but we're going to crash. That's what he just said. We are going to run aground on a certain island. Now, when the 14th night had come, imagine two straight.
straight weeks of hell on the, on the high seas. As we were driven up and down in the Adriatic Sea about midnight, the sailors sensed that they were drawing near some land. And they took soundings and found it to be 20 fathoms. And when they had gone a little farther, they took soundings again and found it to be 15 fathoms. So they're, oh, we're getting closer. Then fearing, lest we should run aground, like Paul just told them, we're gonna run aground. On the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. So they, they halted the ship for just a moment by dropping those anchors. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, when they had let down the skiff into the sea, under pretense of putting out anchors from the prow. What he's saying is the sailors said, uh, we're going to put the anchors down. And what they were doing was getting the lifeboat out, like hurry, 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 hurry. I mean, it, can you blame these guys, right? They're headed for disaster. What is the right thing to do? Abandon ship, right? Watch this. Look what Paul says, though. Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. In other words, this word is all or nothing. Everybody has to go through this wreck together. But if we do it together, we'll all survive. That's the word from God. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the skiff and let it fall off. So there's our natural way of escape. (laughs) And as day was about to dawn, Paul implored them all to take food, saying, Today is the 14th day you have waited and continued without food and eaten nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take nourishment, for this is your survival. This is for your survival. All right, so he, he had this promise from God. Listen to me. He had this promise from God that God was going to keep everybody alive, but they had a part to play in it too. They needed to get that nourishment in their bodies because they're going to be swimming for a while. Once this thing crashes, they got to swim to shore. And he says, this is for your survival. So it's you and God together in this deal, right? Do what you know in the natural. Since not, look what he says. Since not a hair will fall from the head of any of you. Wow. Yeah. And when he had said these things, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Then they were all encouraged also, took food for themselves. And in all, we were 276 persons on the ship. That's a lot of folk. 276 people on the ship. So when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and threw out the wheat into the sea. I mean, sometimes you got to make decisions to do whatever is necessary to get through whatever storm you're in. You know, you might have to take that high interest loan just to get through it, file bankruptcy. I mean, sometimes you just get into situations you don't want to be in, sell stuff you never wanted to sell, right? Let's just get through this. When it was day 39, they did not recognize the land. During the middle of any storm in your life, things can get turned around, can't they? And now they find themselves in a place they don't recognize, This was not our intended purpose. This is not the destiny that we had set sail for. Now they're in very unfamiliar territory. That's what storms can do. They can blow you in a different direction. And you say, I wasn't planning on ending up here. But wait, God sees where you are. But they observed a bay with a beach onto which they planned to run the ship if possible. And they let go the anchors and left them in the sea. Meanwhile, loosing the rudder ropes and they hoisted the mainsail to the wind and made for shore. They said, all right, wind, Here we go, take us to the shore. But striking a place where two seas meet, they ran the ship aground and the prow stuck fast and remained immovable, but the stern was being broken up by the violence of the waves. And the soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wanting to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that those who could swim should jump overboard first and get to land. And the rest... Some on board, some on parts of the ship. And so it was that they all escaped safely. 
to land. Wow. It's been a tough two weeks for, for Paul. And if Paul has a, a real opportunity, my, my family, he has a real opportunity to go south in his thinking and his believing. I'm in prison for doing the right thing. Then he can justify his anger, his bitterness, huh? He's in prison for, and now <laughs> he's had to go through this storm and now he's barely made it to this island after the ship that he was on broke all the pieces. And he, I, can you imagine the angel says, you will stand before Caesar. And he's like, nothing is looking like what you said is true. I'm nowhere I'm supposed to be. We're almost through reading here. We got to go right over to the next chapter. Watch this. You think, okay, now, Paul, you can breathe. All right, you made it. You survived, right? Okay. Now, when they had escaped, then they found out that the island was called Malta. They weren't planning on going to Malta, but that's where they are, right? And the natives showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome. How, what a, oh, some hospitality finally, right? Something friendly. We get set around a fire. All right because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. And when, but when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, watch this, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. Are you serious? Really? He's got this snake just... And I was like, hey, he wouldn't even do it. He was just helping build the fire. Gets the bundle of sticks. Next thing he knows, he's got a snake on his hand. Oh, man, how could it get any worse? Now, watch this, though. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt, this man is a murderer. Isn't it interesting how people can become so quickly to put the, the robe on and put the gavel in their hand? Amen. Hmm? Things are going, something's wrong in your life, something's going back, and they go, hmm, wonder what they did. I mean, what a conclusion these guys are making. I have a feeling it has much to do with their pagan belief system. It sounds like here they don't really know God. <laughs> no doubt this man was a murderer, whom though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow him to live. They called this justice. Interesting. But look what happens. But he shook off the creature in the fire and suffered no harm. Huh? Come on, let's shake it off for a second. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what kind of thing is seemed to be attached to your life that is nothing but a nuisance. Shake it off. Huh? That thing's supposed to kill him. Shook it off. Hey, listen, at this point, you can see that Paul's faith was leading him at this point. He got out of fear, he got into faith, he believed that word, so this thing happened, he's like, no, I gotta go see Caesar. See, now circumstances are not controlling. They're not influencing him. Hmm? He's staying fully in charge because he has a promise he's holding on to. Hmm? This is just a distraction. It's just a distraction. I'm not going to freak out over this just because everybody on Facebook now knows my issue. Right? It's one th listen, no, listen, it's one thing for your, is your issue to be private, but when it goes public, huh? eyes are on you. Now you're vulnerable. People are talking. 
Paul is bitten publicly. He, he has already come through this horrific experience. He escaped with his life and now this snake. Look at verse six. However, they were expecting that he would swell up and suddenly fall down dead. So this is a seriously poisonous snake. But after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a God. Man, you talk about one extreme to the next. These people don't know what they believe, right? He's a murderer. He's a God. <laughs> but people that are on the outside, all they can do is just kind of speculate about what's going on. That's why you don't have to worry about that. Don't worry about what people think or what they say. Hmm? Just know the one to whom you belong. And what he says about you is all that matters. God protected him while others expected disaster. I know all of you at some time in your life have experienced protection. Right, Anthony? This guy rides a motorcycle, a fast motorcycle, and he rides fast on that fast motorcycle. Shouldn't be alive. How long ago was that? That's been five years ago? Over 100 miles an hour down 75 and flipped over the handlebars and walked away from it. Incredible. You remember those times in your life where God protected you? Protected you, you know, from naysayers. Protected you from harmful situations. Protected you um, uh, from disaster. Maybe even protected you from lies. How about the fact that sometimes he protects you from the truth? Should I explain that? Sometimes you were guilty of a situation, but God protected you anyway. He was, uh, Carl was talking about that decision that the, you prosper wherever you go. Abraham is this guy who goes to see this king named Abimelech and his wife, Sarah, is beautiful. The Bible says she was, I mean, she was old and advanced in years, but she was stunning. And so Abraham's afraid that the king is going to kill him because of her beauty. So he says, listen, I'm just going to send you right into, I'm just going to let him have you. Thanks, husband. Let the king have you. You can go right into his harem. And, uh, and so he just hands her over to the king like she's his property now. And the king is startled awake at night because God speaks to him and says, you're a dead man. The king's like, what? What did I do? And he told him. He told him the truth. God told him. And the king said, God, you know, I didn't know that. And so God said, well, go to Abraham. He'll pray for you and you won't die. Wait a second. That king didn't do anything. That king didn't do anything. Abraham was the one who set all that up. But God didn't blame Abraham one bit. That's interesting, isn't it? See, God protects you sometimes from the consequences that are rightfully earned by you. I thank God for that scripture that said, where sin abounded, grace much more abounded. Hallelujah for the grace of God. Now, Christians that go to other churches besides this one, they, they like to act like they're never guilty of anything. <laughs> but, you know, you, you should have or could have lost that job, but God protected you. Hmm? Yeah. Should have lost your marriage, but God protected you. The snake bit him. It's fastened, it's fastened itself to him. Right? Yeah. Right now, it's do or die right now. This is it. Yeah. And they're standing waiting for Paul to die. 
And they're watching what a normal person would do, lay down and die. They're watching this man shake it off in the fire. Amen. When you can persevere through something that could have or should have taken you out, then you can testify that the promise of God is greater than the trouble. Because baby, there ain't no mountain high enough. There ain't no valley low enough. And there ain't no river wide enough to keep him from getting to you. I'm not too sure Marvin Gaye knew just what a theologian he was. <laughs> Went through the crisis. Listen to me. Won't you think about something, a difficulty that you've gone through, but you're here. Maybe you thought it was going to take you out. Maybe it should have. And if that's you, will you stand where you are, please? Will you just stand where you are to testify that you're still here, that you're still standing? I'm still here. I should be six feet under, but I'm here. I'm still standing. Hmm? I'm still standing. Come on. I said, I'm still standing. Look, I mean, look at yourself. You're here. You're standing right here. Woo. You're still standing. Lost my way. I'm still standing. I went through that storm. I'm still standing. I went through the divorce and I'm still standing. Hmm? I lost my loved one, but I'm still standing. It's not been easy, but I'm here. Huh? You might be under attack right now, but you're here right now. Hallelujah. You might be backed in the corner, but you're here. Shoot, you might have cried yourself to sleep last night, but you're here. Huh? And right now is what matters, not then. Right now in this moment. Because God says, I am, which means I am present right now with you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. No storm, no shipwreck, no snake bite, no circumstance can stop the purpose of God in your life. If you will say, I believe God, that it will be for me just as he said it was going to be. Amen. If you believe that, I want you to give the Lord a praise right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you, Lord, that you are the God of more than enough. We thank you that you are a very present help in times of trouble. We thank you, Lord, that you are our supplier. You are our victory. You are our help, our strength. You are our peace, our joy. Mm. Thank you, Lord. You are our salvation, our deliverer the rock that is higher than I. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I, I thank you right now, God, that you, through your Son, have only designed us, purposed us for victory. Purposed us for victory. You know, the Bible doesn't say that you are conquerors. It says you're more than conquerors. What does that mean? What do you mean more? How can you be more than a conqueror? That's, that's excessive. Yeah. This is what it means. That he made you more than conquerors through him who loved you. Jesus conquered, and then he gifted you the credit for conquering. 
He gifted you the victory. So you have to attain a victory through a fight. Jesus did the fight and then said the victory's yours. Ooh, that's what it means to be more than a conqueror. So this ain't something that you can fight for, strive for. You just receive it by faith because this is grace coming to you today. Remember that. Remember that. This difficulty, this trial, these troubles in your life, they are temporary. His word endures forever. All right? And those things are not from him. God's not bringing the trouble in your life. Jesus said, in the world you have trouble. But here's what I offer. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. All right? In other words, I'm on the winning side, and you're on the winning side with me. Praise God. Isn't it good to know that? Amen. Wish the Cowboys would figure that out, but <laughs> amen. Hallelujah. I, just as in the early service, before we dismiss, I want to ask if anybody is here and you need healing in your body, you're experiencing pain or sickness of some kind, I want you to just raise your hand where you are. We're going to pray for you right now. Or if, or if you're here today and you say, well, I have a sick mom or a relative, then we're going to pray for them too. So raise your hand if you want to sit in proxy for them today. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, right now in Jesus' name. Jesus, you intentionally exposed your back to that Roman soldier who beat you and beat you and beat you and tore you up and broke your body down for our healing. By those stripes that you took upon your back, we are healed. You intentionally went there so that we could be whole. You paid for it. The same afternoon, your blood was shed for our sins. Your body was broken for our healing. So we thank you right now for that exchange right now. You carried their sickness. You carried their pains and their disease. So now, in Jesus' name, we enforce and we declare they are healed in Jesus' name. We enforce that victory that Jesus Christ himself purchased for them. Thank you for it, Lord. We're not going to accept anything else but what God has done. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, may the Lord bless you and may he keep you and may he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and all of your house and give you peace. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.